You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello and welcome to podcast number nine in our multi-part series on the United States Progressed Sun and Progressed Palace, both by what's called Secondary Progression coming into their first ever union since July 4th of 1776, our birthday as a nation. They will come together May 28th, 2019. And I'm doing this particular podcast right after podcast eight. In this last one, I read some more from uh, astrologer Zip Dobbins and Eleanor Bach. Eleanor Bach being the woman who created the first asteroid ephemeris back in 1973 in New York. With her extraordinary influence concerning Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta. And I want to remind all of you of the power of Pallas Athena in its positive and negative manifestations. And in particular, that Pallas Athena, if I had to use three categories, would say intelligence gathering because of Pallas's connection to knowledge and wisdom and strategy and genius and innovation, intelligence gathering not only for us as individuals, as all of us have an individual palace, every country has a palace, every business has a palace, every state of the union coming into being has a palace, whatever, whoever is born at a moment of time, palace will be in that chart. All of you need to know what sign is your palace in, if not the degree of the zodiac, what house is it in, what are its alignments at your birth, where is it now transiting, and if possible, Where is it by secondary progression? And if you get into it further, other progressions, other progress systems, so that you understand more of the the power of palace in your life and how to utilize it well. So what I'm doing here is articulating this extremely rare cycle. We've never had it before our entire history. We won't have it again for over 400 years, be in a completely different place. I haven't even investigated that because there's too much to cover right here. So without further ado, I was giving a list of some of the big events that have happened. It's now May 15, 2019, in the last 24 hours. And the reason today is so significant is that this is the third time since March 22nd, a Friday, when the Mueller report was released to the Attorney General's office. He came out, Attorney General Barr, two days later with that now rather infamous summary that didn't really summarize the true essence of the report and created a whole contentiousness between the Congress and the White House and left, center, right, political views, and so on. And then, so that that was one of the most powerful and unusual things. I didn't know it was going to happen. Nobody did, that that was going to be the date, March 22nd, that the Mueller report after 22 months uh, investigating whether or not there was or was not a conspiracy between members of the Trump uh, campaign, Trump family, Trump staffers, even possibly the president himself, and either the Russian government or Russians. And Robert Mueller could not necessarily prove that. Of course, he did not actually get the president of the United States to come in to testify. That was a whole big thing that never occurred. And also many other individuals didn't testify honestly. Paul Manafort. That was one of the things that where, in a sense, Robert Mueller's team threw in the towel uh, right before, like maybe two months, three months ago, which led to the Mueller report ending. 
um, since they found out that he had lied uh, to the the uh, prosecutors on the on the Mueller team. And so in, in many ways, a lot of that had to be thrown out. So um, the bottom line here is that we had the Moon and Palace exactly together in the late afternoon of Friday, March 22nd. And the Mueller report is sent over to the Attorney General Department of Justice. And then exactly one lunar cycle later on April 18th, and there's a storyline on that in our global hotspots area about April 18th. And there's an article called The Mueller Reports Rush to Judgment in our Earth Aquarius News section from uh, dated March 27th about the March 22nd event. And it was on April 18th when the Moon and Palace came together last month that the Mueller Report was then released to the public. But of course, it was released to the public in a redacted form in order to protect grand jury, other ongoing cases, and other kinds of things that had to do with national security. And the big contentions that have been going on recently have been that the various committees in the House that are now run by Democrats since the last election rather than Republicans are adamant to be able to have an unredacted report. And as I as I shared in some of the earlier podcasts in the series, by President Trump selecting a fellow Sunshine Gemini, who had been Attorney General under a previous Gemini president, President Bush the first, William Barr, Sunshine Gemini, uh, President Bush number one, Sunshine Gemini, President Trump, Sunshine Gemini, and I've also connected all of this Gemini energy back to President John F. Kennedy, our first Sunshine Gemini president. And I've already shared so much about all the connections through the Gemini area, as well as the fact that in the Justice Department chart that goes back to July 1 of 1870 during the Grant administration, we find a whole slew of planets in Gemini, including Mercury conjunct Pallas in that sign, which connects very strongly, as I've reported in, I guess, three podcasts ago, to where uh, President Trump has his natal Uranus and his North Node, a fate destiny point, as well as his sun. So we're seeing all these interweavings of Pallas Athena, the sign Gemini, and all kinds of connections to Pallas Athena. Now today, May the 15th, this morning, was another Moon-Pallas conjunction. And as I mentioned in the last podcast, this date of May 15th came up about a week and a half ago when on, I think it was Meet the Press, on a Sunday, a member of the House Judiciary Committee said, oh, guess what? We invited Robert Mueller to testify on May the 15th. Well, <laughs> a night later, I looked in the ephemeris and looked in the cosmic calendar that I've been working on for 38 years. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if there's a strong palace? What I didn't realize was that is the third palace conjunction that just happened today of moon with palace. Now remember, America is born with the moon and palace together from July 4th of 1776. Again, palace wasn't discovered until March 28th of 1802. We didn't know the founding fathers and the people involved with the creation of the country, Theodore, uh, Thomas Jefferson and the other people who helped him to put together the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. Um, they didn't know at that point. Many of them knew where the moon was. It was in late Aquarius. They didn't know Pallas Athena was there because it hadn't been discovered yet. That didn't happen until the Jefferson administration. And I've talked about that and Thomas Jefferson and his chart a little bit and what happened in those eight years of his administration when Pallas had just been discovered. So um, where we're at now, though, is that 
this repeating arc in the last couple of months, moon with Pallas, March 22nd in the sky, in the late afternoon, Mueller's report goes to the AG with an exact moon Pallas conjunction. Then exactly at the next moon Pallas conjunction, why, why did it happen then? This is proving the point about how significant Pallas Athena is and the progressed sun, progressed Pallas conjunction that has never happened before by secondary progression, now only 13 days away, May 28th, 2019, at 14 plus a Pisces. And that degree is going to come up once again in this particular podcast of its significance, which goes to show that what I'm sharing here is not something weird. It's not something that shouldn't be discussed because it's unimportant. This happens to be extremely important. Now, there, of course, there are other transits that are going on. Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn, Mercury, stations, retrogrades, full moons, new moons, eclipses. I'm not trying to say here that all of those are unimportant. All of those are important, but hidden away, which has so much to do with what I would say is the intelligence gathering issues that relate to Pallas Athena, the defense issues, because Pallas Athena in the human body has to do with the immune system and DNA and genetics, as I've shared from Eleanor Bach. And I know this to be true from my own studies of medical astrology and working with her ideas. Um, I don't focus on my own chart, but I'm, I myself am born with Pallas Athena stationary and in a trine with my son and um, also born when Uranus is stationary. So it, it turns out that around my birth, two major planets are stationary and only two. One is, is a planet Uranus, but the other one is Pallas Athena. I don't have the other uh, asteroid stationary. So perhaps this is the reason that I have now focused on this particular archetype. And as I reported, I think in the first or second podcast in this series, I first was studying this four, three years ago in 2016. And I actually was looking at it uh, before that. I could see it developing, but we hadn't gotten to the point of all these issues, intelligence gathering, the problems with uh, people hacking or groups hacking, foreign groups or national groups into our grids, water, electric, power, voting systems, and all the different themes I've talked about coming from Eleanor Bach, Zip Dobbins, and other people about what Pallas Athena represents, whether positive or negative. So we've got a situation, and one of the things I'm most most concerned about is our lack of progress with voting. And out here in Oregon, we, we, we've been voting by mail. It's a really organized system. It's a wonderful system. And I think we have a fairly balanced uh, group of people, left, right, center, who are looking through every time we have an election, there's a, a fairness, there's an organization. And to think that we might have to have elections in Florida, again, in the last podcast, I mentioned that Governor DeSantis, a Republican, literally has come out in this last 24-hour time period with the moon and palace together, giving a public testimony that the Russians interfered in two counties in Florida in 2016. They were able to do that and get into data files and voting files. And that's the same state that in 2000 turned the whole election from Gore to Bush. And let's not forget, because I watched that particular night in November of, of 2000, all the networks gave Florida to Gore, all of them. Then a short period of time later, with phone calls coming from 
uh, the Bush Cheney administration, particularly James Baker, and contacting uh, Jeb Bush, governor there, and all kinds of things that happened. Suddenly, the networks all said, well, wait a minute, we're putting Florida back in a neutral zone. And then a couple hours later, it goes to Bush. And then we had the 36-day hiatus between Bush and Gore, where it was the Supreme Court. And that's a key for this particular reading. I'm going to present um, at least the, the natal chart, we don't know the time, for Chief Justice John Roberts for January 27, 1955. He is a big... Uh, contact and he will appear in some other podcasts when I talk about the President of the United States and some other progressions and the next inaugural chart and things like that. John Roberts is a key uh, in terms of his birth chart and how he hooks up to all of this. Okay, so again, intelligence, intelligence gathering, positively negative, including organizations, our FBI, our CIA, uh, um, the the different departments that have to do with how we put everything together, Homeland Security. Now, to some extent, a lot of these organizations also, because we don't always know what they're doing, has a lot to do with VESTA. That's going to be another topic at another time. Safety, security, uh, different secret organizations, partly to also work with the Palestine idea of protecting the country. And that leads to the idea of the immune system, on a national level and international level, representing our Department of Defense. How do we defend ourselves? And how well are these systems with computers and engineering and problem solving to make sure that we don't have hacking and we don't have voting interference and we don't have other kinds of things? And how well are we preparing for the future, whether it's 2020 and beyond? After all, on a whole other topic, which I'll be sharing about in other podcasts, the national, the Pluto position. Pluto has a 247-year cycle. And if we go from 1776 and add uh, when the country came into being at the Declaration of Independence, the main chart we use for the birth of the United States, Pluto is going to be coming back three times in 2022. Eventually, Pluto will will leave that position in the U.S. chart in, in late Capricorn and go into Aquarius. And in, in going into Aquarius in 2023, 2024, which is going to be to the end, the last two years of the next president's administration, then Pluto will go over that very strategically powerful zero plus Aquarius degree that I've been talking about in all these podcasts. Um, there's two main degrees, zero plus Aquarius, where presidents are inaugurated on January 20th, ever since 1937. And there's the 14 plus of Pisces, where the Sun and Pallas, by progression, both of them are coming together on May 28th in the next two weeks. So let me let me go into the listing here. I started this list of things that have happened the last 24 hours during this latest Moon-Pallas conjunction. So I'm just going to read some of these because, again, these are all fitting in one way or another to Pallas Athena being positive or negative. So here's a story coming through. Again, this is through the Smart News app. I recommend that for everybody. It's left, right, center. It's all over the place. It you could the the Smart app is interesting because it's late breaking stories. It's entertainment. It's sports. There are all these divisions and areas: politics, science, 
and you can add periodically you can add different kind of magazines and resources so it's it's one of the best i i find and i go to it several times a day okay um this is from sometime in the last 24 hours trump administration censorship erasing affordable care act from federal websites this is actually coming from the huffington post i read a good part of this this is fascinating um and and scary that we know that President Trump and President Obama are loggerheads. I mean, I don't think it's President Obama so much, but for various reasons, President Trump is very eager and anxious to overturn anything and everything that occurred during the two Obama administrations. And this was a scary kind of thing, not just because of what is happening, and I do recommend going to the Huffington Post and looking for this story, Trump Trump administration censorship erasing Affordable Care Act from federal websites. Apparently, over two dozen times, different people have been uh, on the Huffington Post going over to federal websites that have to do with health care and large sections having to do with how people can get information about health care and insurance. They're just not there or the sections disappear and then somebody puts them back and then they disappear again. So uh, somebody might say, oh, yeah, we're having technical difficulties. But what if it isn't technical difficulties? What is what if there is a deliberate attempt every couple of days or every so often to literally remove paragraphs and information to make it much harder for people. In other words, this creates confusion. People go to a website expecting to get information about how to get health care, what, what, what the rates are, how to do it, where to go, uh, who to call, and then the paragraphs just disappear. Here's another one. Trump's trade war just went from, quote, easy to win, unquote, to 5,000 years of hell. Uh, from Vanity Fair. This is regarding the whole issue with China, the tariffs. Um, there's been a lot of misinformation coming from the government, particularly the President of the United States, talks about tariffs in a way that isn't really true, uh, makes it sound as if like, oh, we're we're really hitting China with all these tariffs. And the truth is, is that what happens is American consumers are hit the hardest because it's our importers have to pay taxes on these t- due to these tariffs. And again, traditionally, Republicans are the free trade party in particular, uh, even more so than Democrats. So the fact that we have uh, uh, now a, a, a president who used to be a, a flaming Democrat in his, in his own personal views and individual views is now uh, signed on to the Republican Party. And this is a party that has never been into tariffs. And there are a number of people um Grassley in in Indiana, who do not like what's happening here because this is creating all kinds of havoc for our farmers of these tariffs and uh, farmers being able to get good money for their crops and all these different issues between America and China. So uh, that's another big issue, again, creating havoc with China, trading partner, tariffs, things like that. So this is all part of, again, either uh, misusing intelligence, miscommunication with the public, creating all kinds of confusion in terms of knowledge and wisdom in particular on a big scale with uh, the one plus billion Chinese. Uh, here's another, this, this was one of the more extraordinary things that came in the last 24 hours. And I just want to preface this particular one by saying the following. When we had the April 18th event, okay, I believe it was a, yeah, it was a Thursday, late in the afternoon, when the Mueller report redacted was actually released, I 
I had this feeling. I, in fact, I called uh, Peter DeFazio's office with an idea that the Democrats, because again, all this obfuscation was beginning to happen from A.G. Barr, uh, that even though he, when he passed when he passed the test and he became the the attorney general for the second time, and a lot of the people were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he'd be fair, that he'd be balanced, that he wouldn't be the president's attorney general. That's not the role of the United States attorney general. He's not supposed to be the president's attorney. He's supposed to be the attorney general for the entire American people. So uh, once Barr got in there, he's been siding very much with the president. He He's definitely a person from even the last time he was attorney general 30 years before of touting executive privilege and that the president not that he, not that Barr actually said that he's above the law, but that he, there are all these reasons of why you can't uh, um, put him up for trial. The president needs to be sort of outside of all of that and limiting congressional activities and so on into investigating him. So this person, um, Lawrence Robbins, who's a former assistant, um, uh, uh, let's see if I get this right. Solicitor General for the United States, and he's a prosecutor uh, in Washington, in Slate magazine under a jurisprudence sort of area of topic, wrote an article uh, where the Congress could end the subpoena fight by impeaching Trump tomorrow. And it's an idea that I had back on April 18th and called actually our congressional representative, hey, Just use the Mueller report because of all of these areas of of supposed obstruction of justice, there's at least 10 of these that are in the actual Mueller report. Uh, Even though, again, Robert Mueller couldn't say 100%, oh, the president has obstructed justice, but he also say he didn't. You know, it was did or didn't. He he left this open uh, for Congress to decide, which is a big issue, whereas um, Attorney General... Uh, Barr made it sound in a summary of March 24th, um, oh, um, no obstruction, no collusion, no anything. That's not what Robert Mueller and his team came up with. They, in releasing the Mueller report, they felt like now it's Congress's turn to take a look, whether impeachment or not. They could then look at some of these areas of obstruction of justice. And let's not forget another thing. uh, Apparently, there are at least 14 other areas that Robert Mueller's team has handed off both to the Southern District of New York in their office and other areas of the country of other people who might be under investigation. And that's part of what is being redacted, that there are other ongoing investigations of other individuals and that that information shouldn't come out to the public because it's a top priority or there's executive privilege or people just shouldn't know about what's going on there because it would influence those trials. But this person, you should go to Slate.com and actually read it for yourself. But the idea is really to use the Mueller report and for the House, which is now in Democratic uh, hands, to just like get the impeachment thing going and actually create articles of impeachment and send that over to the Senate. Part of the reason is, and, and this is even though the Senate will not convict the president, okay, he would be just like Bill Clinton, who was impeached, and then he was tried in the Senate. And what happened, the Senate is a whole is a whole interesting thing of how that works. But that brings in John Roberts, the chief justice of the Supreme Court in any kind of impeachment that would be declared from the House. Then there's a trial in the Senate and the chief justice becomes the presiding officer and that becomes a courthouse. And that would at least mean that all the senators would have to vote 
yes or no regarding impeachment. And therefore, when they come up for re-election, they would have to stand up to the people and say, well, this is why I voted either for the president or against the president on all these impeachment. So we, th- there would be a fulfillment of Congress's role of whether to do impeachment or not, and whether they felt they had enough information. And there are witnesses that can be called in the Cong- in the Senate as well, where some of these people, whether it's Don McGahn or uh, different people, would be able to appear and, and testify within this setting, as long as the Republicans allowed it to happen and didn't create a whole obfuscation within the Senate itself, but it allowed the American people to see something also live and how this whole system works. And that to me is something I thought of myself. And now this other legal expert prosecutor has written this fabulous report. So I advise everyone, his name is Lawrence Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S in Slate magazine. The article came out yesterday, May 14th, but only appeared in Smart News today, May 15th. Now I'm going to read a couple of these as fast as I can. I want to get into John Roberts and something else, uh, the two charts that are in this. Okay, complaints grow that Trump staffers are campaigning for their boss. That's another article from Politico. Um, This is Uh, going against what's called the Hatch Act. People who are working in government are not supposed to be going out and campaigning for one person or another. Here's another one. Trump is now defending war crimes from thebulwark.com. And this is another interesting kind of thing about torture and not torture and things that are happening. This is sort of under the radar screen, something else important about misjustice and miscommunication in America. Uh, Here's another article. Trump's resistance to congressional oversight had a very bad day in court uh, from thinkprogress.org. And this had to do with the government trying to say, uh, White House lawyers saying, oh, uh, Congress shouldn't have really had the power even to uh, uh, do the uh, Nixon uh, impeachment. They shouldn't have had the power to do the Clinton impeachment. Uh, And this was Uh, brought before a particular judge who's about to probably rule against the president. Uh, And there's some very shady and weird things that currently the White House counsel, even tonight, tonight, the new White House counsel has sent a 12-page letter. I think it's to the House, yeah, House Judiciary Committee, a 12-page single-space letter about why the White House and different people don't have to testify, why, why Congress is, is harassing the president and that they don't have this ability to actually look into whether a president has committed a crime or obstruction of justice and so on. Uh, so, and here's another one, Trump to Congress. It's none of your business if I break the law from the Daily Beast. That's also today. Here's another big one. The House Intelligence Committee is investigating whether Trump lawyers shaped Michael Cohen's false testimony. So this is coming from the House Intelligence Committee. And even though that's the the committee run now by Democrat Adam Schiff of California, Devin Nunes, who had been such a big Trump supporter and still is, actually has agreed with Adam Schiff and the House Intelligence Committee uh, in terms of wanting to get some more information about all this one way or another. And so um, the House Intelligence Committee is doing some very interesting research, not just on that, but on some other things. Um, here's another one. White House rejects Democrats' request for documents in obstruction probe. 
<laughs> it sounds very similar to some of these other things that are happening here. So all of these particular issues, and again, the Alabama situation, which I reported in the last one at the very end, the governor actually signed the nation's most restrictive anti-abortion bill into law there in Alabama, although that goes against the Roe versus Wade law of the land, and this is all building up. There's at least 21 states that have Republican uh, legislatures, and in all of these states, there's almost a coordinated effort, or there is a coordinate, coordinated effort to bring down Roe versus Wade, the, the, uh, which has allowed abortions in most circumstances. That goes back to January 22nd of 1973, and so obviously that's going to be a chart we're going to look at in the near future. Another issue about uh, that connects up to protecting the country, which also ha has a link to VESTA in terms of safety and security. Here's an article on the last 24 hours. U.S. military to build six tent cities near border for migrants from NBC News. Um, here's another one. Um, A.G. Barr reportedly has surreal exchange with Pelosi. This was in the, in the Capitol today. Quote, Madam Speaker, did you bring your handcuffs? Unquote. Uh, which apparently was a little bit of a joke, possibly, but isn't as actually so funny in terms of how angry the Democrats are uh, concerning the behavior of Attorney General William Barr. Uh, here's one more. Former Bush, Bush official reportedly told Republicans he got psychiatrists to analyze Trump. And this has been ongoing for quite a while. There Early on, I think it was even the first year after Trump came into office from Yale, Harvard, maybe Princeton, even though psychiatrists are not supposed to be going out and sharing a whole lot of analysis about individuals that are not under their own uh, purview, shall we say, I think it was 70 of them were talking about the narcissistic megalomaniac approach of the president, obviously, some people completely disagree with that, who like the president on the right side or the conservative side. But there's certainly a whole group of other people who do believe there's something going on here that's very challenging in terms of the president's behavior. Uh, let's see, I've got a couple more here. The brightest minds on Wall Street say companies are sitting on a ticking time bomb that could spark a rash of bankruptcies and make the next recession even worse from businessinsider.com. And let's just end with this one. Special counsel Mueller to publicly testify before Congress. Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff says this is the, the, one of the latest ones coming tonight. Again, during a day when the moon and palace Athena have been together, that at some point in the near future, Robert Mueller needs to testify to clarify what's going on. A lot of people feel, well, if he's in the Justice Department, A.G. Barr says don't do it, he won't be able to. But eventually, he won't be in the Justice Department. He'll be a regular individual, and there's no way at that point that President Trump or A.G. Barr can take tell an individual, oh, you know, uh, you can't do it because you used to be part of our department. He'll be his own individual. Eventually, my guess is that he's going to uh, he's going to be on. We're going to see him on 60 Minutes. He'll There'll be some kind of report that he will come out with. And then I've already shared his chart, uh, which is in one of the global hotspot articles or it's in Earth Aquarius News. So the final thing is that um, two things. John Roberts, we don't know his time of birth. He's born January 27, 1955, the Chief Justice. I won't go into all the details of how he got in there, but I believe he is a very important person relative to the court itself. And even though the court has become very conservative, 
there is something more about what the Supreme Court as the third part of our government can do to resolve this warfare, this contentious atmosphere with the Sun Palace progress conjunction happening. And remember, again, the, the, the concepts that Zip Dobbins and both Zip Dobbins and Eleanor Bach have brought about Palace, not only brain, brainchild of Father Zeus, um, justice, fairness, problem-solving, intelligence-gathering, uh, problem-solving, technician, designer, um, engineer, but the idea of a fighter for justice or dealing with the miscarriage of justice. Now, in John Roberts' chart, he is an Aquarius son. His Chiron, though, on the day he was born, January 27, 1955, Chiron, the wounded healer archetype, which itself has so much to do with um, the idea of mentors and shamans and gurus and teachers on higher levels, Chiron entered zero Aquarius in his chart. Um, there are many other planetary positions in his particular chart that I find very interesting, including Pallas Athena at 10 of Sagittarius. And this year on December 1, the, the only conjunction that the Sun and Pallas will have this year at 10 of Sagittarius, exactly John Roberts' Pallas position. So John Roberts will have a Pallas return, which only happens every three and a half to four years. When he has that return, on the beginning of December of this year, the sun will be there, and that is also activating the nuclear axis in the United States birth chart. Uh, it's also the moon and Thomas Jefferson's chart at that same degree. Finally, in this particular point, um, it turns out that California has changed the date that it's going to have its primary. It used to be very late. Next year, on March the 3rd, 2020, is Super Tuesday, and that's going to be an enormous event of 13 or 14 states having primaries, and this could determine uh, where, uh, which sort of president, vice president might be picked by the Democrats at that particular point. California will have its primary. Alabama, Arkansas, uh, Colorado, Massachusetts, Utah, Texas, Tennessee, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Minnesota, and maybe Georgia. The reason I'm, I brought this chart up is, lo and behold, when when the ta when these votes are tabulated on the night of March third, two thousand and twenty, um, the sun will be at fourteen plus a Pisces. That's the degree of the sun palace progress conjunction that's going to happen two weeks from now on Mar on May twenty eighth of this year, two thousand nineteen. That sun palace energy of fourteen plus a Pisces after the event. June, July, the rest of this year, just because Sun and Pallas will have already come together and they'll be in what we call a separating arc, it doesn't mean that the degree of the Zodiac and the power of Pallas Athena and the Sun illuminating it disappears. That energy field still ripples through the consciousness of the country and throughout the world of all these particular themes and archetypes associated with Pallas Athena. And then next year at the Super Tuesday event, where California used to be one of the grand final uh, primaries, in, often in June, they moved everything up so that it would happen on Super Tuesday, and the sun will be at 14 plus a Pisces. So the charts this time, John Roberts, we don't know his birth time, but it's still a very interesting chart to look at. We'll talk more about some of his other positions as a sun sign Aquarius and as other placements in a future podcast. And I'm sure we'll take another look at the Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020 um, archetypes also in another podcast or two down the road. Thanks for listening. We'll move on to podcast number 10 
shortly and many blessings and bye for now.